and welcome to episode number 49 of the Auto Week podcast. We are live from the floor at Detroit Autorama. On my right, I have Graham Kozak. Hey, how you doing? The uh, features editor of Auto Week. On my far left, I have executive producer of the Auto Week podcast, Wesley Ron. Oh, how's it going, everybody? And to my immediate left, we have Butch... Sorry, Patricio? Patrico. Patrico, sorry. I'll get it eventually. Uh, By the end of the cast. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Uh, He is the co-chair of the show and... President of the Michigan Hot Rod Association. That is correct. How's it, go, how's it going today? Today's going much better than move-in. Yeah. <laughs> what happened on move-in? Oh, uh, the, the boat show just before us, uh, you know, they got to get the boats out of the building, and and they were, they were a little slow getting them out. And when you, when you do a show like this, you know, you have to have a clear and open floor. Sure. Uh, they got to wash it, mark it, and when you got boats and trailers in the way, you just can't do it. At one point, we had about 80 cars that were just waiting for floor space that was not prepared. Yeah, boy. So, but it looks great today. Just one of those things. Yeah, it looks great today. Uh, what? How many shows is this for you? How many autoramas is this? This is uh, my 49th autorama, and I'm only 52. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, my dad was involved in the autorama in the 60s, and uh, his particular club. Uh, uh, the sons could join it mm-hmm. uh, when they got a driver's license. So I started working the show when I was 16, and uh, be uh, 1971. Wow! You know, you get the menial jobs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, land carpet. Just, just work your way up, and uh, uh, pretty much done everything. So, how much of that is is uh, you know volunteering for stuff, and how much of it at that point is being volunteered for stuff? It, it's an all-volunteer force. Yeah. I mean, none of it's none of it's required within the association to work it. But uh, you know, it, we have like 300 members, uh, and they they enjoy it. You know, we're all car people. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and this is like, you know, the Oscars or the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, for sports players. Yeah. So it's not too difficult to get guys to work down here, and, and some of the jobs are are you know, pretty miserable jobs. <laughs> you know? I mean, you're, you're working outside on on streets. In the cold weather, routing the traffic down Fort and Second. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you start working 16, 18 hour days doing that. But they're they're glad to do it. I mean, they take a lot of pride in the show. Yeah. Um, and this is we started this. Yeah. In '53. Yeah. And to have it still going is is a lot to be proud of. And it's definitely an, an internationally known uh, event. I mean, probably one of the biggest custom shows anywhere. I mean. We're really fortunate and blessed uh, that the, the attention uh, and the, the the presence the show has. Uh, uh, the, the Riddler Award is really what's what's you know it, when it came of age, uh, you know, ten or fifteen years ago, we got on the uh, the radar of, of car people uh, across the United States, and uh, that really quickly spread to Europe. Sure, it's not unusual for us to get uh, ten to thirteen magazines from Europe. Oh, cool covering the show and uh, three years ago we had our, our first uh, uh, entry uh, really uh, foreign or European entry uh, from Australia cool uh, man that's so, an undertaking yeah, yeah. No, it was a huge undertaking but uh, that's how well known the show is yeah. you know yeah. uh, it's pretty darn far away but the Netherlands are real big Germany's real big uh, Sweden is huge yeah and uh, 
uh, we're, we're, we're very, very well known, yeah. not only in the States and Canada, but also in Europe. So, so we're sitting here right on the main floor, and in front of us we've got the, uh, the grade eight, the uh, eight Riddler contender cars. Um, how many cars would you say enter with the intent to make it to the grade eight and then on to the Riddler? So what, what pool is this grade eight pulled from? On average, we get uh, 20 to 25 vehicles uh, that enter the show with the intent on, on being a grade eight qualifier. Now, the one basic rule that's been since 64 was the car has to make its, the vehicle, sure. shouldn't say car, it's open to any vehicle, has to make its public debut in Detroit. So, while there's probably close to 100 vehicles that are actually technically eligible, mm-hmm. um, because of what's required to win the Riddler, they're, they're pretty much eliminated. You know, you, you could rebuild a 67 Corvette, restore one. Great car, high dollar car. But because of the requirements to win the Riddler, they're pretty much eliminated yeah. before they even get here. So. You could have a brand new restored vehicle, which is Riddler eligible, but very unlikely that it'll win. Sure. So I don't know if we uh, should we run down the list of uh, the cars that have made it to the Grade Eight. Well, actually, can, or, can I can I ask real quick before we get to that? Um, so we t- we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast before, but you know the difference between a Riddler eligible car or a car that's likely to win the Riddler and uh, a nice restoration or a nice custom. What are what are some of the difference makers? to get into that round of 25 or that, that group of contenders? Well, there's, there's, a, there's a couple rules uh, uh, that, that are, are posted uh, that, that we follow when we judge a Riddler vehicle because it's not your typical type judging where there's a point system. Right. Um, the, the first thing we look for is creativity. Yeah. Um, then a degree of difficulty in the build. Sure. Uh, then fit and finish of that, and then basically overall quality and theme. Sure. So that's what the judging staff looks for in a vehicle, and that's what a builder should really uh, concentrate on. I mean, we, we have a funny saying. Put those four words on your garage wall and look at them every day when you build a Riddler car. <laughs> so if you're going to really truly want to get into building a Riddler car, uh, the way the trends are going... Yeah. It, it pretty much has to be a, a, a custom body vehicle, right? Uh, you know, uh, something with a relatively stock body uh-huh. uh, is is not going to win. It it doesn't. It really lacks the creativity portion sure. uh, of the qualifications. Sure. So uh, it, it's got a chance, but you can only take that so far. Sure. So one thing I've noticed on that on that note, sometimes you'll have a car that has a body that is obviously a radical modification. You know, anybody, even if they're not into the scene, can tell right away this car has been, it's no longer stock. Then, you know, for example, a couple of years ago, there was the uh, Impala, the Imposter, I believe. Imposter. That was, every inch of metal was touched on that car. But Correct. the end result was a car that, it, it was a lot more subtle, um, less of a wild like reinterpretation. Right, yeah. It's like if, if they had, if the designers had been able to build the car they dreamed of in the first place, it might have looked a lot like that. As opposed sure. to others, which are a lot more imaginative, you know, you'll see wild 
flights of fancy. I think the right. Renaissance Roadster was an example of that. Exactly. Ago. Exactly. Uh, is there one? I mean, is, are both of those playing on the same field? I mean, obviously those are two winners from the past couple of years. But um, how do you weigh a car that's uh, incredible amount of work and creativity, but subtle versus a you know equal amount of creativity but truly wild, you know, unexpected? Well, that, that's where the degree of difficulty comes in. I mean, you can level the playing field with all these vehicles, uh, you know, and very basically, uh, every vehicle's got to have a, a drivetrain, every vehicle's got to have wheels, every interior and bodywork. But when you get into the uh, degree of difficulty, like the imposter, you know, even though it, it is a very subtle build, what did it take to accomplish that? Okay. Okay, degree of difficulty sure. to accomplish that point. And you can apply that same uh, requirement to the the the, the, the roadster coupe yeah. that one. What is the degree of difficulty? Uh, even though it's much more extravagant and visual, what is the degree of difficulty that it took to get to that point? So that's kind of a like I said, that's a requirement that levels the playing field. Yeah. So, so one thing that, sorry, that uh, we see, um, you know, we, we uh, Graham and, and I have been out to Pebble Beach a couple times and, and done some stories on, on that show, um, which is, you know, a, a similar level of prestige and probably a different world. Um, that show is thought of by insiders to be somewhat political. So as far as who wins and who's eligible and who enters and that kind of stuff, there are always whispers and rumors and, and murmurs and, and almost every year someone who feels like they, they should have won goes home angry. Um, how much is that the case here? Is that, is it, you know, is someone going to leave this weekend pissed off because they didn't get the consideration they think they deserved? I don't think they'll leave because they don't, they don't think they got the consideration they deserved. Uh, they may leave pissed off because they didn't win. Yeah. Um, the, in our process of judging uh, the Riddler, uh, we are very interactive with the car owners and builders. Sure. We get them involved in the judging process. So uh, that, that, that's really helped uh, uh, the, that relationship yeah. uh, between the builder and owner uh, because they are involved in the judging. And it, and it also... Uh, like you said, the innuendo and, and rumors, uh, a lot of the judging is done behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, the people never see the judges. Sure. You know, we're always the guys that are lurking in the dark in the backgrounds who only come out at night. Yeah. You know, when <laughs> nobody else is around. Sure. And, and we, we judge the cars, you know, and, and then we disappear and hand somebody with a sheet of paper, you know, the winners and losers. Yeah. Uh, but what we what what we do here is we involve the, the car owners and the builders in the judging process, we go down and actually let them, um, I'll call it an interview, it's not really sure. an interview. We come down on the show floor, which we started already, uh, the seven judges, and we'll get the builders and the, and the car owners there, and we just literally tell them, talk to us about your vehicle. Yeah. And we'll start at the front, and I'll tell them, just work your way around it. You know, down one side, the back, and up the other. Tell us about the vehicle. Tell us about the build. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's really educational for us. Uh, 
and, and it, it gets them involved yeah. in the process. It makes them feel good. Yeah. Uh, and then we do our fits and finishes, which involves them again. You know, you got to close the car up, hoods, hoods down, windows up, deckless down. Uh, if it's a convertible or a roadster, you got to put the top up, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, check all the fits on the vehicle. Yeah. Uh, and then we make them open it up again. We want to see, you know. Um, like there's cars here with prop rods instead of springs. Sure. You know, how well or how difficult is it? And it may sound crazy, but, you know, you get into some of these wild builds. Yeah. You know, it might take them three minutes to open up the hood. Yeah. So we want them to see, we want the vehicles to be as much of an operable vehicle sure. as possible. So we make them open it back up again. We make them to put the tops back down again. So they're involved and that generally takes, you know, maybe about an hour and a half. Yeah. By the time you get done wow. doing it, uh, so they get to be involved in that with us. And, and then, like I said, we do the rest. We come out at night later. Yeah. <laughs> do the balance of the judging. <laughs> but you'll notice too that we also take notes. Uh-huh. There's two of us constantly taking notes and and getting input from the from the five guys who aren't. So that when we go back and uh, talk about the vehicles afterwards uh, you know we go to we go to our note pages and that helps us start comparing you know vehicle to vehicle so is there a time you've been doing this in 71 you said most of the people are pretty cool getting judged is there a time when when things got heated or things that blew up that sticks out for you oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't necessarily the Ritter Riddler award but there, there's there's been times we had one trophy mailed back to us with 638 caliber bullet holes in it. <laughs> We've had plenty of trophies thrown at us <laughs> up in the judging office. And I mean, you know, here we are at Autorama. You got five or 600 cars, right? Yeah. And 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 your vehicle takes a trophy. I mean, th- that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. You know, they'll come running up to the judging office and. I mean, literally, I've had them thrown at me from 20 feet away. I mean, come on. Yeah. You, know, you just won a trophy at right. Right. What else could we have done for you? Right. It's the wrong trophy. Yeah. 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 Not the exactly. one they wanted. Exactly. Oh. So, uh, so non, not competing for the Riddler, but here on the show floor, we have the <laughs> current AMBR, America's Most Beautiful Roadster, the three-penny yes, roadster. Yeah. Which is really cool to uh, to see that here in Detroit. You know, we yeah. see it, pictures of it from the West Coast, but great to have it here. So, how do you think it compares towards the Riddler contenders? As far as what you know, those judges might have been looking for in that car. What what that show is competing for as far as aesthetics and design and uh, engineering versus Riddler. Yeah, versus the Riddler Memorial Award. Um. That's not your typical amber winner. Uh, sometimes it's pretty confusing out there when they when they do uh, pick a car for the amber. And for the life of me, I haven't been able to figure out what they're looking for from year to year to, to year. I think the cars are so so different. Uh, you know, one year it's a very beautiful track track nose V eight sixty R equipped car. Very, you know. And the next year, it's a it's a it's a throwback to what they would have built in the '50s, and and very simple. And this year, you know, with George's car, 
I mean, it, it's a beautiful roadster, but it's it's over the top and in and uh, technology and build. And, and like I said, I've been trying to figure out. I don't know how a builder or a car owner could go out there and know what to bring. Mm-hmm. For you know, does that go lo- for Riddler the, or Amber? I mean, or no? I mean, the, the, our rules <clears throat> or our requirements have never changed here. You know, it still boils down to creativity, degree of difficulty, fit and finish, and overall theme. And that could, that fits any vehicle out there. And if they want to build a, a an Art Deco style, you know, uh, vehicle with with you know fifties fifties uh, theme, which is fine. But you're looking for the quality of that build. Mm-hmm. And you're looking for the degree of difficulty in that build. So it's uh, not like necessarily. I, said, I, I think our requirements are universal enough that they can be applied to a, a very high tech built uh, pro touring vehicle. Yeah. You know, or or a street rod. Sure. And and they have to be because all those vehicles are eligible. Right. Uh, for the Riddler, the Amber Award, they're they're kind of locked into, you know, pre thirty five. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting because we've talked about that car before, the three penny, and everybody we've talked to has said that's not a car that I would expect to win that award, but it's been, no one can quite put their finger on exactly why, or what yeah. what about it is weird. The different, well, it's not weird. Yeah. yeah. It's not the vehicle. Yeah. I, I personally, I think it goes back to every vehicle that's won in the last four or five years is, is, is just different. You don't know what type of vehicle to build to win. Sure. Um, what was it two or three years ago when, um, I forget the guy's name that won it, but it was uh, it was like a 50s era throwback, yeah. you know? Very simple, you know, traditionally styled with, with 50s era parts on it. And if you would have brought the vehicle there the next year, I think it would have lost to what? The, the candy apple red packard sure mm, uh, right the yeah. yeah yeah you know the art deco styled vehicle and it's so again you know here i mean you you can bring that that pro touring known um arcadian <laughs> <laughs> canadian nova uh and it can compete against that you know radical custom uh 59 caddy over sure. there with the with the nomad roof on it yeah so, are there trends? You've been doing this so long. Are there are there definite trends as far as you know where where the show started and where it is today, or as far as um, you know, obviously car culture has changed a lot and the competitors have changed a lot. But what are what are the most kind of glaring differences between then and now? Um, street rides used to rule. Yeah. I mean, we would get upwards of 50 or 60 street rides pre-48 vehicles uh we had so many 32 fords in in a, some of the classes we had to break the classes up wow. some way somehow yeah. just because there was too many uh in there to judge fairly mm-hmm. so i would say right now that's probably the most glaring thing street rods are, are kind of on their way out mm-hmm. um you know muscle cars uh, are on their way in and the surprising thing there is, is these guys are taking, you know, what may be a hundred thousand dollar muscle car, yeah, 
and they're making resto mods on them. Yeah. You know, they're actually devaluing them yeah, by, them up by what they're right. doing to them. And throwing a lot of money to devalue them. <laughs> yep. Yes, exactly. So um, uh, that's the trends. Uh, that's the most glaring trends uh, that's happening. Um, you know, you got street rods. Uh, you know, you got your 50s era cars, 60 eras muscle cars, you know, and then you got trucks. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just think even five years ago, you know, who the heck was going to build a pickup truck? Yeah. Now, they might build um, a pre-48 pickup, but they're not going to build a 1968 Ford F100. Right. Uh, but pickups are so popular yeah. right now. Uh, and and I, it, I really, truly believe it's what a lot of the younger people are into. Yeah. So what, and we'll get, in a minute, we'll get to the, the current contenders for the Riddler right now, but what, you know, the, you talked a little bit about the investment that these guys make to build a car for this show. What does it mean to win to these people, and, and you know, what, why, why do they do it? Why do they spend uh, immense amount of time and money uh, to come here and win this trophy? What does it mean to these guys? I, it's kind of hard to put into words, I, and, and you know, prestige is not the right word to use. I, I guess, um, and it might be a very, very bad analogy. Um, let's say you had the the money, the wherewithal, or the financial backing to take a trip to the moon. You could do it just because you can do it. Most of us, I think, would do it, yeah. right? Uh, just because we can. It's the same way with these cars. You know, they're going to go out and uh, they're going to build a car, no matter what it costs. You know, to be able to go out and and win the Riddler. Yeah. Now, we all know. You know, they'll put a million and a half, two million dollars in it, three million in some cases. <laughs> The cars are nowhere near worth it yeah. after it's done. Right. But they want that award. Yeah. They want to be able to be one of the few people. There's only It's only given out once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to be able to be one of the few people whose name gets attached to that award. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, fortunately for us, there, there's there's a whole lot of people out there that, that want that. You know, uh, and, and and I think too, you could go out and ask the you know John Doe Hot Rodder, you know, if you had the opportunity to do it, would you do it? And I would think nine out of ten of them would say, hell yeah, I'd do it. You know, yeah. that's 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 the ultimate, and and I don't even think it's fair to compare it to the Oscars. Yeah, you know, uh, like I said, I. I I don't think it's fair to the Riddler Award. I think it's, I think it's much more than, than somebody winning an Oscar. Uh, it, they they want it and they can go after it, so they're going to get it. I mean, let's face it; even the money they win is, yeah, <laughs> doesn't doesn't add up in the right. end. No, yeah. we had we had one we had one guy, uh, a few years ago, uh, come in and uh, he was so sure that he had the the car. At, he rented an entire floor at the Renaissance Center 
plus the ballroom. That sounds like a terrible idea. (laughs) Well, you know what? It worked for him, but, (laughs) you know, but, yeah, it could have been a really terrible idea, you know. But, yeah, the entire floor and the ballroom for the celebration party. Wow. You know, more power to them. But if if you bring the right car and you're that confident. yeah, Yeah, if you bring the right car. And that's what it boils down to, you know, bringing the right car. Uh, and you almost need to spend six months to a year putting pen to paper to try and figure out what the right car is. Uh, you, you can't do a car today without, uh, you know, a complete set of renderings on it and, uh, you know, scale down version of it. If, if you're going to attack it correctly... Um, you, you need to do that, and, and then you need to make up your mind. Um, a, a lot of mistakes these guys make when they build a riddler car, it, it, it takes a number of years, right? Mm-hmm. You know, anybody that tells you they could build a riddler car in 10 months, don't even bother looking at it. Yeah. Um, these cars take years to build, so it, it's a process of, let's say, uh, three years at the least, you know, four to six years probably at the most and the biggest mistake most of those guys make <clears throat> is they'll start off with a theme mm-hmm. but then as time progresses they vary from that mm-hmm. and then they start going to whatever's the flavor of the month oh, sure. you know and and believe me we can tell right. exactly how a car is built, right. you know, and when you went off track. Mm-hmm. You have to stay, you have to come in with a plan and stick to that plan sure. for the entire build and, and not, not get sucked into, you know, whatever the latest and greatest is sure. uh, that year, you know, um, at the SEMA show where they, right. you know, they, they show the, you know, the product of the years. Yeah. Well, really, if you go to the SEMA show, they should be showing off the parts you had custom made the year before <laughs> yeah, for your right, Riddler right, car. Right, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, they need to be able to look at that stuff and say, all right, now I got to go home, you know, <laughs> yeah. fire up the CNC, <laughs> you know, figure out how I, how I can make it. Then I got to figure out if I can make it and have it work. Yeah. So uh, before we before we hop off here, Graham has uh, a list of the, the eight uh, grade eight contenders. Um Graham, do you want to do you want to go through them all, or do you yeah, want? Yeah, yeah, I can run through the list. I think it's a good example of the range of cars that'll be competing in one year. Uh, so I'll just start at the top and run and, through, and, and then maybe you can give us a thought on each of them. Or yeah, so something that stood out to you. So the first one, I've got a, a thirty-two Ford Victoria. It's kind of a gray car, black wire wheels. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just really subtle chops. It looked like the you know three-quarter inches here and there. Um, on the body in front especially, um, but really striking. It seems like it's getting a huge amount of attention. Very striking, very well done, very detailed uh, vehicle. You know, uh, uh, not something that's going to hit you over the head with a, a baseball bat to get your attention. You know, you, you got to get up to it and, and study it and uh, appreciate the quality of the build. Uh, and then there's a uh, 35 Ford Slantback right across from it, uh, black. Um, any thoughts on that car? Um, a little bit of a departure uh, from the 32. Uh, uh, more of a hot roddy look. Uh, you know, uh, uh, never go wrong painting a car black. Yeah. 
you know, if you do it properly. Uh, and the Halibrand style wheels always look say, exactly, yeah. you know, the hot rod look. Yeah. So, and then uh, at the far end, we've got this uh, green 47 Ford sedan delivery, sedan arguably the most practical, uh, you know, daily drivable <laughs> grocery getter here. Exactly. Uh, exactly. With a five liter uh, illuminator Ford engine tucked under the hood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seemed like an interesting, super practical car, obviously. It is. And, uh, um, and I think that's the way he built it, it was to be a uh, practical vehicle. Uh, and then a, uh, there's a 69 Camaro with a uh, 2012 Camaro interior kind of massaged into it. It actually looks um, pretty well done. I mean, we've seen a lot of poorly done uh, new car interiors and old car things, but... Um, did you look at the roof? Not, I did not get to... Get a 2012 roof on it, too. Oh, right. Really? So they're calling that one the ZL69, the 69 Camaro ZL69. Yeah, custom yeah, badges yeah. and everything all around. Yeah. Basically trying to integrate a new Camaro you know, into a 69 body and, and, and have it look correctly. You know, maybe uh, maybe what, you know, GM should have had in, in 69. Yeah. Up, upgraded 69. Like I said, the roof, uh, the tail panel, you know, that sort of stuff. The interior. Incorporate as much of the, the late model. Late model as he could and, and, and still make it look right. And then uh, directly across from us, it's the Arcadian, the uh, Canadian market name for the Nova. Correct. Um, any any uh, anything we need to take a closer look at on that car? Any details that jump out? Oh, uh, Jeff's Jeff's won the, the award uh, before, and uh, he, he's a very very uh, uh, hands-on guy, and he he ap- absolutely believes that that car, any car uh, that he builds, should be fully functional, and I have no doubt. That he couldn't jump into that car right now and go autocrossing with it. <coughs> are there are there winners who will do that with their cars just for the hell of it after they're after oh, they're done yeah, or yeah. you know contenders? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a few. Uh, well, you, you were talking about the Amber winner down there. Mm-hmm. Georgia jump in that car and drive it. You know, cool. Wherever uh, JF or well, it's not JF's car. It's a customer car. But like I said, there's no doubt. That uh, that customer could jump in that car, and I, I'd be willing to bet you that if he were lucky enough to win the award this year, he's going to ask me if he couldn't go out in the back parking lot <laughs> and do donuts. Because when he won with the Riviera a few years ago, which was an an autocross car, he did the same thing, took it down off the stands. Oh. He wanted to do it indoors. Or no. <laughs> No, too too dangerous, yeah. too dangerous, you know. Too many pillars. Don't, yeah. yeah, right, don't get crazy. Yeah. Well, would you mind if I did it out <laughs> on the loading dock? Hey, knock your socks off, you know. Well, if he does that this year, you've got to call us. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll want to be here for that. I live four miles away. I'll be there in <laughs> yeah. 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah, no, he's, he'd do it, too, if he won, believe me. Well, I know who I'm pulling for now. Yeah. <laughs> so another uh, another wild car, uh, 59 Eldorado Brome kind of wagon shooting brake with a like it looks like a nomad roof in there it's got a yeah. 1025 horsepower twin turbo v8 up front oh, yeah. uh, a huge big block chevy yeah finished uh in kind of like a dusty pink with a gray gray top uh, like a it's a period color really for okay. that for that era yeah it's rose uh, something yeah yeah i think they called it a pale rose which it's not but he's trying to emulate that sure the same way with the two-tone on it um 
I saw that car uh, in, in the stages of the build, you know, bare frame uh, through bare metal build. That car down on the ground, it, it looks like it's going a thousand miles an hour. <coughs> if you stand back and look at it, it just looks like it's going fast, and it, it's kind of styled uh, like something out of Flash, Flash Gordon, only not as corny. Um, yeah, it, it's just a, a tremendous amount of bodywork, and and that's a very good example of the creativity of of what the Riddler Award is looking for if you're, if you're a body man, you know? Okay. That's that's the one that stood out to me when I walked in first yeah, and yeah, caught my eye. Yeah. That's a huge sheet metal undertaking. That yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the amount of metal in that car. Yeah. And for a car that, again, <laughs> It looks, probably weighs 6,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah. But it looks like they could have built that car. I mean, it looks like GM. And they, yeah. they probably yeah. should have. Yeah. 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 A little bit further down, there's a 41 Willys Pro Street car, Chevy 527, kind of mm-hmm. really striking violet car. Haven't had a chance to really take a look at that, but it, it's a, you know, always nice to see a Willys. Yeah, I mean, we have, surprisingly, we have probably a half a dozen of them in the show. Um, that one is a, it's a Pro Streeter, you know, make no mistake about it, but it, it's a Pro Streeter that was... It was really meant to be driven, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, some of these guys get carried away with the the blowers and the roll bars and the wheelie bars and you know the suspensions, and they're not usable vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that car there, what uh, was built to be usable, yeah. uh, so you could take that car out anywhere you wanted, and and be reasonably comfortable, yeah. you know, driving around on a pair of tires that are. 22 inches yeah. wide in the back. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a stock 41 Willys. Are there any left? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know that I have. They're any. very yeah. rare. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. Uh, the last last grade 8 contender, we've got a 65 Chevelle. It's the blue car. Um, yeah. Kitty yeah. car from us, pretty yeah. much. Um, anything jump out at you on that car? I, again, haven't had a chance to really study it. That car is very subtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, looking at it from here, 50 feet away, you can see there's been some quarter panel work in it, yeah. and you can walk around the back and look at the rear the rear panel, which has been completely remade. But what what you really need to do is get up close to that car and, and look at it closely. The assembly on that is pretty flawless. The, the gaps are, are are just immaculate, and and similar to um, what they've done with the Camaro was they've tried to update it uh, front and rear. Uh, plus, they've brought in uh, a lot of body work, even though it, it may not be uh, totally recognizable sure. to, the, to the spectator. But look at that car. Well, too many people here. But if look at the amount of work in the quarter panels on that car. I mean, you can tell there's something it's different. that's been changed. Yeah. But... It's subtle enough that it looks great, but you got to go up and study it. So, of of those eight that we just talked about, can you tell us if you have a favorite? If you have oh. one that you're no, oh. got to wait. No, nope. thought we were gonna. <laughs> you got to make a trip nope. up. Yep. All right, I, I got to stay really neutral. <laughs> to, to be fair, this doesn't come out until a week from now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No one would know. Unless anyone's listening uh, over our show. We, we can get an overdub mean, later. Mean, this yeah. is delayed. Yeah. What, yeah. I thought this was live. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So I will, I will before you go, I'll have to ask, <coughs> what's it what's it like in that judging room when you're picking these cars apart? I mean, because any of these cars should and could win, right? They're all sure. it, they're all immaculate cars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is, it, is that a stressful working um, over the numbers, or is it is are there some uh, clear winners generally? Well, um, I'll give you another example. When we had the 50th anniversary of the Riddler, right? Not that long ago, uh, we made we made a pretty big deal about it. Gold plated award. Uh, you know, and we knew we were getting a lot of cars coming in, especially to win the 50th. So uh, I, I handpicked the judging staff for the show. And I had picked 50 of the, the strongest, most opinionated judges that I could find. Uh, and so I gather them all up, six of them plus me, and they're all, I, they all know each other, right? And they're all eyeballing each other. We sit down at the table, and we talk. And the first thing one of the guys said was, when he looked around, is, this is going to get awful damn bloody. (laughs) (laughs) But when a car is is a standout, it's a standout. Yeah. Um, It's not usually something that you have to argue about. And is that usually the case? Um. Usually you end up with, with two, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes three, that, that are so close that you, that you battle about. And, and you really got to get, you, you really pick them over. And, and to be honest with you, it, it's going to sound really cheap and kind of crass. Uh, it, it's some of the ones with the, uh, it comes down to the ones with the least amount of flaws. Yeah. Uh, you know, really. And, I mean, we could be really nitpicky, but that's what separates the cars. I mean, uh, when they come in, we consider all of them 100-point cars, and, and even though we don't do a, a point system, we consider them all perfect and work our way back from perfect. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all these cars have fasteners that are clocked and indexed in the same way throughout the entire car. I mean, it's t- it's almost impossible to judge them against each other. Most of them have their own handmade fasteners that are clocked <laughs> that's insane oh it's really insane it, it gets uh, gets pretty crazy they they keep trying to pull one over on the judges they haven't been able to do it yet but man it's getting really tough you know fortunately we got seven of us so <laughs> they, they, they don't get much bias <laughs> well cool thank you so much for coming yeah, by thank you much thank you and uh, thanks for for kind of educating us a little bit um, and we will uh, We'll be here all weekend, so we'll uh, look forward to seeing who you guys pick for the winner. And uh, if they're doing donuts, you better let us yeah, know. Yeah, for sure. We, we, we will. I will definitely let you know uh, uh, if if he ends up doing some donuts. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, thanks uh, to the to the guys over at Autorama. Now we're back in in studio, and we've got a special, special, underlined special guest today. Uh, five-time NHRA champ Joe Amato is with us. Joe, uh, where are you calling in from today? Well, I'm in uh, Palm Beach, Florida, actually. 
that's not a bad place to be. We're up here. It's 15 degrees, and we would love to be there. How's it down there? Yeah, it, 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 they thought it was cold here this morning. It was 50 some, but it went right up to 70. You know. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna cry a couple tears for you there, but <laughs> all good, all good. And then, hey, uh, now that you're down in Palm Beach, uh, we want to talk about a big event coming down there. Uh, uh, this next event uh, in Gainesville is part of the Gator Nationals. Uh, you're getting uh, back in a car right here. The Legends Tour last year, and uh, I, well, most of the drivers that were involved with the Legends Tour, this is the final race of it. Uh, the, so they invited us back to Gainesville this year, and uh, they brought mostly like a lot of winners in, like uh, Kenny Burns, Dean Garland, and different people. Up, but most of the drivers that are going to be there, I think there's eight or nine of us going to be there. All, all won, all won the event, and. Uh, so that, that's going to be an exciting thing. And then they came up with the idea of trying to come up with race, uh, a car to race. They figured when they called it unfinished business, so they've got eight spec cars and, and they offered us some kind of an idea how we wanted to paint them. And, uh, so everybody came up with mine looks a little bit like blue and white. And I used to race the Valvoline car and Kenny Burns, he was, I think says King of Speed. And I'm pretty sure, uh, uh, Shirley has her, her thing for the kids. Oh yeah. So everybody's got a little bit of a theme going on for with their car, and uh, they're going to let us make a test run four o'clock on Thursday if we get there in time. And uh, I'm going to go up early and stop in Don Garwitz's museum because I have my '84 championship car there. I'll go visit it. They'll see what's going on there, and then uh, go do the, the go to the track and hopefully do a test run and get familiar with the car a little bit. I'm not telling anybody if I can hook up my nitrous oxide on it, so I'll have a little advantage. <laughs> well, Joe, you talk about you, Joe. You talked about the Legends Tour. That was a that was just a, a deal where you guys were going around and uh, uh, you know exchanging with the fans and, and just being a part of a you know the NHRA weekend. But now that you're actually in a car, I mean, this is going to have to bring back a lot of memories, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, it'll bring back a lot of memories. I mean, I almost wish we had the. Really fast cars versus more of a stock car, yeah, regular spec car, and they're all going to get the same. You know, it's always more fun if you had something that was really fast. But I guess I drive that on the street most of the time. I have a a Dodge Hellcat I drive at 797 horsepower, so that's one of my street cars. But I always have a fast car. I don't think I own a car under 580 horsepower that I drive on a daily basis, but. You know, when you're used to speed and noise, you always like to have something fast. But it'll be exciting because everybody's going to want to win. That's going to be the hard part. You know, it's only going to be one guy win. And they they have the first round on Friday, the second round on Saturday, and the final two are on Sunday. So it's going to be plenty exciting to just be, you know, on the line against Kenny Bernstein and the Garlitz and all the rest of them. So it'll, it'll predome. Actually, we're going to the International Motorsports Hall of Fame of Daytona. They're having their induction ceremonies Monday and Tuesday. So I know Don Perdome's going. I'm going. We're going to sit at the NHRA table. And my wife's going. And uh, that'll be fun because they bring in some new inductees into that Hall of Fame. And then we're going to go over to Don Garlow's Hall of Fame on Thursday night. They're going to induct more people. And then we'll do the race for the weekend. So it's going to be a very fun-filled, exciting weekend. We're looking forward to being part of it. 
Well, we got a chance to see some of those cars that you guys uh, have got figured out with those liveries, and they really look sharp. And, and we did get the pairings uh, today. I saw the pairings for this thing. It's uh, eight drivers. Uh, the pairings are going to be uh, uh, Don Garlitz versus uh, Shirley Muldowney, uh, Warren Johnson, and uh, motorcycle uh, champ Terry Vance in the second round uh, or in the second match. Uh, Kenny Bernstein and our buddy Joe Amato going at it head to head like the good old days, and then Don the Snake Perdome versus uh, Ed McCulloch in the in the uh, other match. So I mean, there's some major names there in the NHRA history, and like you said, I, I, that competitive fire has got to be still burning with you guys. Yeah, well, me and Bernstein. Well, well, that's exciting. I didn't know that rubber, the match was set up. For oh, us. yeah. That, that's fun. The, the funny the funny part is after the race, he's coming down to Florida. He lives normally in California, but he's on the East Coast. I, I invited him coming over. We're going to play golf uh, beginning of the week after the race. And uh, so I guess we'll have to try and reach. If he if ever wins the race, he'll be trying to win the golf and get even. <laughs> I guess. We always have had a, a very competitive uh, situation, whether we're playing golf or, or racing. You know, it, it kind of goes around when you're competitive you're competitive and you take it to the wall with it, no matter what sport you're involved in now joe I, I checked you guys are running uh toyota camrys uh for this event uh, what are they telling you about these cars are these just uh showroom models or are they souped up at all no i'm pretty sure they're just showroom models that toyota was nice enough to give an hra to, to you know tape them up and make them look fancy and uh we're just gonna they're all basically the same and I don't think anybody's doing anything different with them, but uh, so it'll be pretty even. You never know which one's faster or not, because sometimes there is a difference in cars, the way they're, you know, how many miles are on them or whatever, you know, but uh, hopefully we'll get a fast one. Now, Joe, uh, you retired from the NHRA in 2000, after the 2000 season, is that correct? Right. Okay. And then I had a team with uh, several drivers for about five years, and then I, after uh, Daryl Russell got killed driving yeah. my car, that kind of took the stuffing out of it a little bit. And uh, Morgan Lucas drove for me for a year and a half, and he did really good. And they were going to start their own team, and I just kind of walked off the sport because, of, uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was a real tragedy when we lost uh, Daryl, but uh, life goes on, you know. Have you followed the sport, or have you pretty much stepped away oh, from yeah. it? Oh, yeah, no, I still, I still follow it. I usually go... Two or three times to a race, and I always watch it on TV. I tape it all the time. I definitely pay attention to what's going on. I have so have some friends involved in the sport, so I, I definitely uh, keep you know keep in contact with it. But the, the trouble is, if you're used to being there and having a, your own team and racing, uh, when you go now, it's not quite as much fun because you don't have the same involvement. But it's still. You know, I, when I go, I always like to stand on the start line and watch the race at the start line versus in the skybox or something because it just you get your nitrile fixed it down there with the smell and the noise. There's nothing like, you know, taking I've taken some of my, my friends, uh, golfer friends. I have been Palm Beach. There's a lot of golfers down here. Like I had Nick Price on the start line one time and nice. he almost beat his, beat his pants when the cars fired <laughs> off. You know, you know you, it's fun to take people that have never been there and take them out and, and get them involved in the sport. And uh, so that's that we might have a couple of people come up to Gainesville with us too that have never been there. So it's fun. You know, you, you open up the sport to different people. And, you know, one of our friends has a, a burger chain restaurant, Burger Fi. He may be interested in coming up and, and he actually sponsors a NASCAR push car. So you, you never know. You bring people around. They like it. They may become involved in it. And I, you know, it helps push the sports forward a little bit. Uh, that's one thing with, uh, most forms of motorsports today, the money is, t is tough. I mean, the, 
everybody's spending more money to go faster and more technology and the corporate world is having a hard time figuring how to make it all apply to make money, you know, to raise it. So it, it, it's a real struggle, whether you're NHRA or NASCAR or F1, they're all trying to figure out how to do it cheaper and, and bring more people in. So it, it's a challenge. Joe, it's, a, it's been a challenge, though, forever. I mean, it was probably the same back in your day, back in the you know 70s, 80s, and the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's always been a challenge. But the problem is that, you know, it was a, it was a couple million to race then. Now it's three, four million to race. So, you know, the price of tea, it's a lot harder to race four million than to get, say, two million, you know. As I as I raced in the beginning, but you know, after that, and then I, toward the end of my career, the, the numbers got up there. You know, you had to have extra trailers and hospitality and buses and, you know, just a lot of things to, to add to the, to the budget. So they, they at the, the end of the day, it's hard to go out and get enough corporate sponsor. That's why you even see like, like Tony Schumacher. He's a world champion guy, the most winning top fuel guy in the, and he has got a sponsor this year. You know, you know, he lost army and they had a couple of deals and his father has his own team with like seven or eight teams and, but all the other teams were spoken first. So now they're still looking to get a sponsor. And you see that in, in NASCAR, you see that in everything. It's just a, the rub of the green trying to get the money. You know, if, if people know how to use it, it's definitely a great venue to bring customers out now. But sometimes people don't understand how to do that good enough and they don't make it work right. And they they don't feel that they're getting their bang for the buck. And that's the hard part. Well, you must have had some pretty good sponsors and some pretty good partners back in your day. Yeah, I definitely was lucky. and But I had a lot of connections because I was in the parts business with Keystone Automotive Warehouse. So I knew a lot of... Uh, you know, presidents of, uh, you know, I knew people from Valvoline. We were big Valvoline sales, and I also do uh, Tentacle Automotive. They were sponsored by for several years. You know, so I've had a lot of opportunity to kind of tie my business and my racing together, and that gave me an advantage in a way because, you know, if you get associate sponsors, you get major sponsors, so I was always very fortunate. Once I got established in, in my career early and won my first championship, it made life a lot easier. But, you know, the funny part, you think you win a championship and people are going to come beating your doors down. That's not the truth. You have to go out and you have to go work the crowds and go find them and, and, and work on them. They're not coming looking for you, believe me. Well, just, just ask Tony Schumacher about that. I mean, he's living that right now, trying to figure out how to make this thing, you know, get it going again. And that's uh, it's kind of sad. We need guys like him out there every week. Right. Uh, Joe. It was, it was definitely uh, – that's the toughest thing. It's not, it, you know, putting a team together and all the people is, is one thing, but then getting the money to pay them all is a lot harder than the other part. Well, Joe, you guys are all so competitive, and I've been uh, following this Legends Tour, and you guys still talk like you're, you know, ready to go racing again. And I know it's going to be a lot of fun at, uh, at the Gator Nationals for you guys. Uh, but what do you do these days to keep the competitive fires burning? I mean, there's got to be some outlet for you to get rid of some of that uh, competitive fire. Well, I, I play a lot of golf which is very competitive, you know, and I'm very, like, I snow ski, I scuba dive, I travel a real lot, I travel all over the world all the time. My wife, we're both aggressive travelers. We take all our friends and we're, we're in Italy, we're in the islands, we're here, we're there, you know. So I keep real busy doing that stuff, but on the competitive stuff, you know, it's nothing ever going to match up to strapping yourself in a top fuel car and going head to head for a, a championship or to win a race, you know, when everything is divided by thousands of a second and then it comes down to you and your team doing a good job. I mean, it's hard to 
that match that you have to almost say, well, that was then and this is now and trying to make a four foot putt for a $10 NASA <laughs> with a golf game. I guess is what it comes down to, you know, Joe, uh, what did your, your family say when uh, you told them you were going to get back in a race car for this, uh, uh, unfinished business promotion? Well, they were, they thought it was funny, you know, especially my, my daughter is a little bit interested in the race and she went to Penn college school and got licensed in a super comp car. But, uh, you know, they, they all think it's cool. They're going to be up there supporting me. And, uh, they realize it's not a top fuel dragster or something fast. So it's just more of a fun gig than, a than, than, you know, serious business. And, but it's still competitive. And you want to, I'm sure uh, me and Bernstein, we're going to both want to win really <laughs> bad. Just, just, because that's how it is. <laughs> so when's the last time you put the pedal all the way down to the floor? Well, I haven't, well, driving my, my Hellcat on the highway yesterday. That car is set for, you touch the gas. And you're going up like I find going up a ramp, getting on a, on the highway like a turn bike <laughs> or something. There's like a, usually a pretty good run up, and I'll just touch the gas. You're going 100, 120 like right now. I mean, it's unbelievable. What seven hundred ninety-seven horsepower does you know? Or on a street car. Well, you're going to be a little disappointed in that Camry then uh, come race day, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish we had. Originally, uh, we were talking about trying to get Hellcats to race or Demons. That, that, now, now, now you're talking. You know, they go, they'll go nine five, one hundred forty-five miles an hour. So that 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 would have been really. But it's hard to get these eight bars like that to much money and all to go off and beat them up. You know. And Joe, you're what seventy four now? Is that correct? Seventy four, yes, sir. Oh man, that's awesome! It sounds like and it sounds like you're doing well and still active and uh, enjoying your retirement. Oh yeah, I'm definitely very active. You know, I do a lot of yoga and I work out to keep active, try and eat healthy. But but I'm busy. I keep myself busy. No rust on on Joe Amato's feet. Trust me. There you go. Okay, Kenny Bernstein, you got him in the in the first round of this thing. Uh, any uh, bad blood between you guys over the years? Yeah, there's been ups and downs. We've had some times where, you know, he thought he had had a championship one or here or there, and uh, you know, and it didn't work out that way. So there was a little bit of. There's always been a, you know, when, when you're very competitive with people, whether it's Bernstein or anybody else, you, you know, you you it takes a little when they beat you and they win a race off you or a championship off you, and you're number two. It takes you a little while to get over that. You're kind of like, uh, I don't know, mad at yourself or, or, or mad at them. Pick one. You know, you can't blame anybody. It's your own deal. You'll you either win or lose on what you do and how you drive and how your team prepares the car. But you know, it's always it's always uh anxiety of what would have could have should have didn't, you know. There you go. Well, uh, if these cars are as equally as prepared as they are gonna claim to be, uh this is gonna fall on you guys. It's gonna be who can be quickest off the line, right? Yeah, I think it's gonna come down to the reaction time and how the how the car reacts, you know. You're driving a, street, a kind of a streetcar, so I'm sure there's some that are a little better than others, just the way they are, you know. Now, is that racing suit still going to fit you? That fire suit still going to fit you, or you got to get a new one? No, it'll work. It'll work. <laughs> We're still pretty much the same size. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. I can't. I can't claim the same thing. I couldn't uh, fit into my stuff from 20 years ago. Uh, good for you. Yeah. Hey, how come yeah. uh, John Forrest didn't get in this thing? He's as old as he's, he's about as old as half you guys. Yeah, but he's still racing. So these are all guys. You know, these guys are all that are just playing, and we're all retired. And John Forrest is still still hard at it. Give him a lot of credit for his age to be still still out there. You know, it's crazy. You know, 
What do you, uh, are you, are you pretty close with John? You talk to him much? I mean, uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, a- yeah I, I talk to him when I'm seeing with the races, but other than that, I don't really keep that much in touch with him. I probably know, you know more with Bernstein because we have some common friends that we always play golf together and stuff like that. So, you know, just certain guys you become friendship. And I've run into the snake a lot lately because he goes to the Barrett Jackson car auction all, every year and oh, I yeah. run into him over there and we talk a lot. So, you know, it's just, you run into different people. That he's going to the Hall of Fame. I'm going there. So you run into some of the guys at different venues. And even though we're all retired, we still talk to the, the racial lingo and all the other stuff, you know? Well, Joe, uh, we're talking with Joe Amato here on the on the Auto Week podcast. Uh, Joe, you, you know, you get introduced as a five-time NHRA championship uh, a lot. Uh, that probably never gets old, does it? No, it's nice to be remembered on what you did, but, you know, you, you, you can't live on your laurels and live in the past. That's one thing I I go forward and I look forward to what I'm doing tomorrow and not what I did yesterday. You know, you have to kind of move on. Well, coming up pretty soon, you got another event, and uh, we'll be rooting for you. And maybe you can add one more line. Add one more line on that resume. That would be real nice to get a win here this weekend against all these bad boys. But, uh, <laughs> not gonna be easy. <laughs> hey, Joe Amato, again, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, and uh, and good luck at Gainesville. And I hope you have as much fun as it sounds like you're going to have. I'm going to have a lot of fun. Be a lot of ball busting going on. Trust me. <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks again okay. for checking in with the auto. Okay, thank you. All right. Thank bye you. now. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, Joe Amato, for checking in. Uh, That was a lot of fun. And now we're going to kick it back to the guys at Autorama. Hello, uh, we're back uh, at Autorama. We're still at Autorama. Still here. Still at, but we've been joined uh, immediately to to my left. A guy you you may know from his appearances on AutoWeek.com. The website? Yep. Scott Sheehan. Sheehan or Sheehan? Sheehan. Sheehan. Close enough. Yeah. Scott Sheehan? Uh, Sheehan. God damn it. All right. <laughs> One more time. Scott Sheehan. Okay. There we go. Yeah, okay. that'll work. Thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem. Thanks How's for your autorama going so far? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, got a little sleep last night and haven't slept in the last few days. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, I work a crazy schedule. I work swing shift, 12-hour days and, and nights. And in the meantime, I get to work on my car. And I don't know. We spent about f- almost 48 hours straight last few days to Oof. get it running, and it ran for the first time yesterday, and maybe four o'clock in the afternoon, and we put it in the trailer and got it here and pulled in around 7:15. So where are you from? I'm from Bay City, Michigan. Oh, okay. About two hours north of here. Yeah, yeah. And what do you do there? I work at SC Johnson. I have a glamorous job making Ziploc bags. Oh, cool. And about- in my spare time, I build junky old cars. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell us about the car. Uh, tell us about how you got into the project and and uh, how you set your, your goal. Uh, the car is a 1927 Ford Model T Roadster. It has a chassis that I built, a homemade chassis. I race in the Race of Gentlemen out in Wildwood, New Jersey. Sure. And the last four years, I've raced my 30 Model A Roadster, uh, the 49 Mert Flatty in it. And after so many appearances, they want new cars. Yeah. So I built one in hopes that I'll make the race. If I don't, I have a pointless race car <laughs> that I can't take anywhere. There's a lot of guys with a pointless race car. <laughs> right, you're not the only one. <laughs> no, I think, I think, Scott, you're selling yourself a little short here. This was originally supposed to be a Model A coupe. Yeah, I had a, originally a, a stock Model A frame and a terrible yard art Model A coupe. And I think it was nine weeks ago, right 
mid-December, I just went, I don't want to build that. i got to build a brand new car because Autorama is like, you know, a month and a half away. Sure. Or two months away. Yeah. So Normal, normal decision-making yeah, process. Right, right, yeah. Exactly. A late-night pivot. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And besides, roasters are way cooler. And But, oh, my God, a, a T is so tiny. And yeah. this is channeled like eight inches, and it has a torque tube sticking up in the middle of the passenger compartment. So there's maybe 16 inches between the torque tube and the door, and I don't fit in it. And uh, it's going to be pretty rough, but we'll have to make some modifications for the races. But At least you don't need a drive shaft tunnel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just have it bouncing against my elbow <laughs> as the car moves. So. So, so we've been following the last couple, uh, month and a half or so, two months, yeah. of, yep. the, of the build in uh, Wesley's kind of inside the thrash post yep. online. Because I think what what a lot of people don't understand, we got some comments from people saying, you know, why do you guys set these these unrealistic deadlines? You know, you're not a reality show. What, what, you know, it's not on purpose. <laughs> but would anything ever get done if there weren't these like impending looming deadlines? You're like, I got probably not. Yeah. At least not for me. I'm a horrible procrastinator, and it seems like the the deadline is the biggest motivator. Yeah, and. I don't know. Like I said, I work at a normal job, as normal as a swing shift can be. Yeah. This isn't what I do for, for a living. This is just something for fun. So it's whenever I have spare time, and that's why I think a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people take two years to build a car or have a car built for them. They don't understand that it's just in your spare time. Yeah. And if you see a deadline six months out, you say, well, I got six months, and the next thing it's, I got three weeks. So I think Graham did that a couple of years ago yeah. with Woodward, I remember. There was yep. a similar. I uh, I was trying to get my fifty one Packard ready for Woodward and did a lot of like staying up all night working yep. on it and uh, failed failed yeah, yeah. but yeah. I did not want to fail at this <laughs> but, but uh, yeah I think at like three thirty the night before the Woodward Dream Cruise I was like you know uh, there's no coolant in this thing haven't cranked it over yes I might as well just get some sleep but in that probably month crunch leading up to it. I got more done than I had in the previous five years. Oh, absolutely! For whatever that's worth, you know, it was like it was a it was the only reason I got my ass in gear, basically. Yes, yeah, Scott. For reference, uh, you've done more work on your Model T than the three of us right. have together have <laughs> yeah. put in all of our cars in the past year. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I did have a lot of help, and that's that's a a nice aspect of it. People, if they see you online or they just casually stop by. It's not that it's not a big of a deal to them, but then they see you're down until the last week, you're yeah. down the last few days, and they go, "Well, I kind of want to be part of this." And my dad helped out, my girlfriend Chelsea, she helped out, her dad, some local friends, and uh, it's just fun. Like at I think about three thirty in the morning yesterday, move-in day, I discovered the car didn't move. <laughs> Seems to be a three thirty <laughs> in the morning thing, right? It's yeah. <laughs> not a good thing. No, um, and it took me about five hours to figure it out. I thought the transmission was broken, Oof. and we just had it pulled too tightly the, the torque tube of the transmission was too tight we ended up popping it apart and the motor shoved forward you know and all of a sudden the car freed up and started working so we always getting ready to call it call it quits and throw in the towel but we uh, kept going at it and figured it out so are you like me when something like that happens you automatically assume just worst case scenario yeah motors launched transmissions seized well, up this is the first time i rebuilt an early ford three speed yeah and i figured i definitely screwed it up yeah and, that, and I felt so bad. Everybody helping me out, and I was like, "Man, is it my fault that this car isn't going to drive?" Because it's something I did because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that didn't be the, that wasn't the case, and uh, it's here. So you made it in into the show or onto the show floor under your own power. Yes. And, you know, drove into the trailer yesterday. First time the car moved under its own power. It was out of the garage and into the trailer, and then backed it out on Atwater and drove in here. 
and it's done, right? There's no more. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> not even yeah, close. He's going to run without a radiator. <laughs> no, there's no seat. I don't fit in it. But yeah. <laughs> but so, uh, go ahead. Ma- major podcast fans or potheads, as we call them. Potheads. Uh, well, no, we gambled a little bit, placed some bets on oh, yeah. Scott's uh, I hear that. mortality. That's right. Uh, what did I do? Uh, you bet against him. No. Oh, no. no, that's and, nice. I, and, no. I, and I think uh, you owe Graham and I a little bit of money. Oh, that's good. How much? What did we decide? I think it was five bucks. Man, right. I shooters. actually have cash for the first time in, in months, so I will pay you. I, I just bought Graham a beer. So, yeah, so that's, my, oh. that's my share there. Yeah. Yeah, you're not the only one that well, I heard that from. Listen, it's not it's not really uh, it's not really a bet if no one takes the other <laughs> side. So I, I admire these guys' confidence in you. There you go, Wesley. Very good. Um, but yeah, uh, so so tell us a little bit about that world, that kind of uh, traditional hot rod or, or uh, that that kind of trog scene. Um, seems like mostly younger guys. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of younger guys and a lot of old guys that get to relive their childhood. Sure. Um, I guess it's it's odd because I come to it from a racing background, yeah. And I found traditional hot rods at a horrible low spot in my life. I just built a brand new circle track car, and my track closed down. And I had no, I have it was like great. I have a car that I can't use at yeah. any track. What am I going to do? And that was around 2004, and I started hearing about guys building traditional cars, and I and I said, well, I can do that. Yeah. And that's literally how I got in it. And there's a lot of guys that just do it just for the, you know, for the gram and yeah. they want their pictures taken and whatnot. Those guys get... Wesley, we- for instance. Well, exactly. Wesley, Wesley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They get weeded out instantly because yeah. you have to have so much passion for this and, and be willing to sacrifice friends and your family relationships and all your money and there's no good reason to do right. it. <laughs> it's you, are, you are really <laughs> selling this. Yeah, yeah. People, you spend how much money on a 150 horsepower motor? Yeah. They, they, they can't comprehend it. But you just have, if if you don't have passion for this, the whole traditional hot rods and customs, you won't you won't stick around. There's no reason to put yourself through this if you weren't passionate about it. So so take us back to uh, the end of, of the circle track days, and then so I guess what I'm saying is. Uh, if I'm a if I'm a guy who wants to get into this, where do you start, and then uh, where do you recommend others start? Because I'd imagine those two things are different. <laughs> the the you know nobody, a lot of people kind of trash it now, but but the ham the whole yeah. gas message board yeah. that was one of the first places I found other people that were into this, and I met some really great friends. My the guy that mentored me, the guy that got me into this whole hot rod deal was was a member on there, and he kind of took me under his wing and. Showed me the ropes of the stuff, and, and uh, I don't know. It's funny because it, this whole all started from a TV show. Also, I watched that episode of of rides on TLC. There was an episode <laughs> in, in 2004 with the Burbank Choppers. Oh on yeah, it. and yeah, it's a great show. Everybody's seen it. <laughs> if you're into episode. this, yeah. if you're into this stuff, and I just watched them. Like, I thought hot rods were something that Boyd built. I yeah, thought it yeah. was something that nobody ever does. And then I saw this just you know five regular guys in a garage building old cars and that, that was it I, all i had to do was see that and i'm like oh i can do that yeah and what's great is that i i got to race Vern, one of the guys from the river bank chapter oh, one of the cool. guys in this show i got to race him at trog the uh, year before last oh. did you win it's close yeah i don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like maybe no yeah uh, maybe by that one <laughs> Thankfully, the lasers on that beach aren't uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a fun outlet. That the whole hot running is. I was I was looking for an outlet. Yeah. Because I couldn't race anymore, and uh, which is ridiculously expensive, anyways. Yeah. So I 
gravitate toward the hot rods, I could do it myself, and I have so much more fun. I mean, race cars are fun for 15 minutes on a Friday night, and that is it. They suck otherwise, yeah. and they can kill you at any time, too. So I have so much more fun. Unlike the totally safe tradition. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the one I've had on three wheels at, at Trog. No one's ever died in one, does it? <laughs> so, so would you recommend, then, if, if you're... You have an interest in this stuff? Start lurking on ham, or start I would look on. I would look on the ham. I mean, it's not like it was before, but you'd be amazed. And it's if you, there's still so many cars that are that are still affordable. Yeah, you can still get a you know a Model A sedan. I paid a thousand dollars for my Model A sedan body that made my own frame. Yeah, you can still do that. You can still, you know, find old timers. Go to a car show. You see a guy with an old car that half the time his family isn't interested in it. Yeah. They don't want it. Yeah. And also, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different venues or just, you know, start uh, going to swap meets and, yeah. and finding bodies. And But it's good to have a mentor. It's good to find, just seek out these people. Or even an event like this, you can talk to the builders anywhere, you know, anywhere you want. You go the, up here with the multi-million dollar builders. You go downstairs with the, with the guys that spend, you know, $5,000 on a car. Yeah. You know, there's... So would you recommend then... Uh, buying something that's already built or in progress or starting from scratch or if I was if I was in my first you know if I wanted to buy my first traditional hot rod or, or take my first uh, step into that world um, that's a touchy subject that's a you could be a checkbook hot rodder or you could be the real deal I'm saying I'm saying <laughs> buy like a buy a maybe an unfinished project or okay, that's, that, that would be a, a way to start then you can make it yours there's just something about buying somebody else's finished car that you're like well it's not all I did was write the check yeah and, and there's, there's so much of uh, this stuff that's personal right like you yeah, want it absolutely. the way you want it absolutely you don't want you buy somebody else's dream car right uh, what are the chances it's gonna be exactly what you wanted right yeah these are these are most of these cars are, are they're bespoke they're built specifically for the guy who owns them or the girl that owns them yeah. and i don't know i'm not been big into buying somebody else's okay let me run car. let me run this by you though so okay. what if i bought like a 19 early 90s grade like fiberglass, easy top video. Voidster. Yeah, Voidster. Yep. Oh, yeah. What about that? <laughs> like, like, ironically. Will it have the build specialties? Yeah. Tri-fan wheels yeah, dude, on it? Of course, it? Like, yeah. Oh, God. Of course. Or, the whole the Coddington <laughs> wheels. And, and drive yeah. around uh, uh, blasting She's Got Legs just Absolutely. on repeat. Absolutely. I think that'd be funny. If you're going to do it, you got to go all in. I think that'd be very I funny. I hope it has a tweed interior. Too. Yeah, yeah. Show up at Radwood. <laughs> but that, that's the thing, though. Like, traditional hot riding is kind of circ- uh, c- cyclical. Yep. Where it's kind of become gassers and like AFX cars now. That's kind of the hot setup in vans. Yeah. So I mean, we're only a step away. I'm from saying, dude, I could be way ahead of the curve. It's, <laughs> it's, it's funny when you first start doing this. All you care about is going. I just want to get and go. And yeah. then you ride in some of these old timers cars, and they have heat, and they have air conditioning, and they have comfy seats. And you're like, oh my god, this is beautiful. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> so it's a whole other world. Yeah. Time. <laughs> time out. You got you got air conditioning in here. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. your, your windows roll. You have windows. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I didn't burn myself or cut myself. <laughs> I don't at all. stink when I get <laughs> yeah, out of it. This yeah. is nice. I'm not really high off exhaust fumes right oh. now. Yeah. <laughs> That's me in every vehicle I own. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been there before. I used to have a, like a '69 Ford, and I would drive around, and. Uh, me being a total dumbass, get out of the car, feel like throwing up. Like, I don't know what the hell's wrong. Like, I don't know what's going on. Did so I eat like, something? Yeah, you got an exhaust leak. It's like, do you only feel sick when you get out of the car? Yeah. yeah. Or How'd have, you know? Yeah. Do you have earplugs hanging in your car? That's how you know. Yeah. I have a couple of cars. I have to have just earplugs just for those vehicles. So what other, what other cars do you have? Oh, I have a bunch. I have a, a 32 um, two-door sedan full fender car that I got from my mentor when he passed away. 
his wife called me up and said, you stop by the house. And she said, I want you to end up with this car. And oh. I said, wow. And I, she said, can you afford it? And I said, absolutely not, but I'll figure something out. Yeah. And I bought that. And I last year, I'll ram out, I brought his 32.5 window up here. Um, year before last, I said, why don't you let me build that car? It's sat since 1977. Yeah. So she said, you can build that. And I said, give me a year. I'll drive it in Autorama. And I, it's exactly like last night. Yeah. I drove it in on Thursday. That was the first time that car moved in, in 40 years. You're way better at this than me, Graham and Wesley are. It's like a record of success here is really intimidating to me. Well, we just... We just we got to drop. Well, you don't even have a radiator to worry about. No. So apparently, that's part of the key is just run it without a radiator. Right, yeah. I didn't have one in my car last night, so I could only run it for about 30 seconds. Yeah. But I don't know. I have a bunch of them. I have a couple of Model A coupes and future projects. And the uh, mo- your Model A Roadster that was in oh, yeah. Auto Week magazine. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, the little Model A flathead Roadster. That thing is so fun. People think it's a spaceship, they have no idea what it is. I had a guy ask me if it was a motorcycle. <laughs> like it's got four wheels, man. <laughs> so technically, no. Yeah, yeah. like that. And then he, he argued, and he goes, "Is this some kind of motorcycle?" I'm like, "It's a Model A Roadster." He goes, "No, no, <laughs> disagree." Yeah, I got a bunch there. It's so so. You've been to Autorama a number of times. I think this is. I don't know, I've probably been here ten times or, or so. Yeah, I came here with um, Frank Frank Barella's guy's name. He's my mentor. I came here with him in 07 I said it's pretty cool I've never been to one of these yeah 08 I built my first hot rod my model a sedan which I still have too I forgot about that one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how many cars do you have that you forgot I have 11 about? I have 11 vehicles right now so just, that's a good number yeah I feel like that's the number you want to have that's a good <laughs> right. number it's normal that's it yeah like 11 feels right to me <laughs> right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let s- Nina know that only, only <laughs> six of them are plated and insured the rest are projects it doesn't matter it doesn't <laughs> matter yeah but uh I came here with with him, and so that was a pretty cool deal. So in 08, I built my first car, and I came back with it in 09, and I uh, I won Best Traditional Sedan with it. So it's kind of a neat progress from coming here to then having my car the first time and then Getting winning something. Yep, yeah, so that was pretty cool. So we were, uh, a little bit earlier, we were commenting on how Autorama, you see a lot of the same people. Yes, kind definitely. Of, uh, same type of people. And you had actually described... Uh, <laughs> kind of a game to it ah, kind of made it i think you're talking about autorama bingo yeah that's right <laughs> that's right so tell us tell us some of the uh, squares on the uh, autorama um, bingo card autorama bingo would be older guy with the visor with the puffed up hair yep the guy Guyfy harry yes yes <laughs> there's also the full camo guy you'll see that every now um the sons of anarchy shirt guy yep that's another big one um, who's probably a dentist oh absolutely. yeah <laughs> I There's, can't think of the rest of them. There was a couple other ones that I the uh, affliction guy, steroid, oh, steroid oh, yes, guy. Yes, yeah. yes, Mr. HGH. We got the he's, he's ready to fight yet, guy. <laughs> yes, yes, get ready to fight. Uh, you. Big dog shirt guy. Oh, absolutely. We'll I have not seen a big, big dog shirt. I haven't seen yeah. one either. You will definitely see. His, you can't run with the big dog, stay on the porch. Yeah, and Graham had a good one too. The uh, old guy's rule. Well, there's the uh, there's the like apologetic. Just bought another car yeah. on the old guy thing. Yep, I think the yep, one is yep. uh, like. Uh, I swear, just one more car or just whatever. Car, That's huh, a good yeah. one. Um, there's also the early morning. Cause we got here, Wesley and I got here about 10 o'clock. 10-ish, and yeah. There's always a couple guys like doing really beautiful hand pencil drawings of various hot rods. Oh, true. Like, yep. like in their own little bubble. I yep. like to see those guys yep. every year. Uh, really nice. Don't know what they do with the pictures <laughs> afterward, but like it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a cool hobby to be yeah, into. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. It's hard to beat for people watching. It's a good time. Yeah, it's pretty good. 
So we were talking a little bit earlier too. Like the, there's a division definitely up here. Uh, these are the the real uh, high dollar, maybe uh, twenty shops involved uh, with building these cars. Multiple Mul- checkbooks. Mul- yeah, yeah multi, so multi-million dollar cars. So many lines of credit. <laughs> uh, and then downstairs tends to be more of a traditional Haran uh, custom, uh, mostly home built stuff. Right, right. Um, and it gets it gets a bad rap every now and then. I've already heard three people say it today. Oh yeah, it's a rat rod show downstairs. So, it was getting to that point a yeah. few years ago. It was getting pretty bad with all the Mad Max stuff and the yeah just horrible builds. And Hop Up Magazine stepped in uh, two years ago, I believe, or maybe last year, and started picking out a little bit better quality cars, yeah. more geared towards the traditional hot rods and custom. So it's definitely improved. But yeah, there's 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 most definitely a division. These things are hard to relate to. People see them on TV and they think this is real life. Yeah. This is not real life. That that car has you know thousands of hours into it. Yeah. It it's neat to look at. It probably will never be driven, and it costs somebody you know a million and a half dollars. You go downstairs and you can see a car that you can build. Yeah. And that's I think it's it's like you said it's two different worlds and they think you know sometimes the guys up here are all oh, just junk downstairs and we're just like oh it's just checkbook guys upstairs so it's. it's but it's, I don't think it's that bad. Do you guys ever get into some shit? You find uh, each other? Yeah, push those guys around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, we're all car guys, so I mean, we all take this, this, some of this stuff to the same extent. But Yeah, it's kind of like uh, a lot of these guys were probably building traditional hot rods when they were kids. Yeah, exactly. And then somehow managed <laughs> to get when rich while also rods. having a car <laughs> hobby. Yeah. Right. So you can't knock it because those guys are the guys that pay the bills for the, for all the shops. I and mean, if, if yeah. it weren't for right. the guys with the super deep pockets, we couldn't do you know, what we do. Yeah, we were uh, when we were talking. My about body guys taking pictures oh. of me right there. <laughs> You're famous. Look at celebrity, man. <laughs> Little do they know, it's just the audience. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> when when we were talking about the Amber Award a couple of weeks ago, right. uh, it was kind of like how how these guys are almost like patrons. You know, they're they're spending frightening amounts of money. Ridiculous. But like, yeah, that's how a lot of these guys can afford to have side projects or yeah. whatever. You know, it's a it's a pays weird a, pays role. a lot of mortgages. And exactly. Stuff. Yeah. It feeds a lot of kids. But uh, that's true. there's some guys. Who uh, like I know the East London Timing Association, a bunch of guys from Canada. Oh, great guys! They haven't had as big of a, they don't have as big of a, as much square footage in the basement, but they do have a couple cars up here, uh, yep. top floor. So it's kind of like a weird, like their traditional custom stuff sometimes makes it to the top floor, but I think next year they'll probably be back in force in the basement. So. It's almost like you've arrived. If you right. if you've been, if you spend your whole life in the basement, and then finally you get elevated up here. It's like all your old friends hate you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They tell you a gold chainer. He's changed. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I can't hang out with him. Slip the guy a fifty on moving, so he'll let you sneak well, out the main floor. It does seem like there's more of a traditional hot rod and traditional custom presence on the main floor now than there has yeah, been in past years. Yep. The Cavalcade Custom has a bunch of high quality customs. Yep. The Lowrider Invitational has a bunch of high quality lowriders. Yep, I love the lowriders. Yeah, they're it's great. More attention to detail than I'll ever put into anything. Exactly. <laughs> you, do, you don't engrave the bottoms of your A arms. I'm way too lazy. I'm too lazy for any of this. Yeah. I barely made it over here to do a podcast today. <laughs> the uh, it's funny though. I, I always look at that stuff like lowriders, uh, traditional high rods. Um, those cars are incredibly appealing to me. Actually, absolutely, they're way more appealing to me. Uh, both of those types of cars are way more appealing to me than actually cars that I currently own. Right. Uh, but I don't feel like I could pull it off. I don't feel like I have like the uh, dedication to the aesthetic. Like I, I look 
like uh, the guy who publishes a magazine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. uh, like a fucking dork. <laughs> hey, if the shoe fits. <laughs> it's like, no. It, it, I mean, it's, it's almost as bad as getting out of like a Lamborghini or Ferrari. And people see that car pull up and they see me get out and they're like, oh, wow. Oh, that's kind that of disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's not his. <laughs> Disappointing. He works for a car magazine. <laughs> but is is there is there kind of like, uh, are there those guys who are like credible into this stuff who like aren't uh, like unexpected? You know what I mean? Uh, like, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, like as far as upper echelon guys, like mm-hmm. Chip Foose. Mm-hmm. He, he'll. I don't know if he's here tonight, today or not, but but. He is really a, he's a real car guy. Yeah, like he just and he'll come down and hang out with the guys downstairs and and get ideas from him and talk to him. And I mean, it's, it's kind of neat that the pros do the pro picks. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it. I got I got an award from Faye Butler in 2013. I still don't know how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go up on stage and meet all these automotive icons, and I was hammered. And I'm like, I have no idea why I'm up here either. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got an award from Faye. So yeah, it's cool. I mean. People, whatever. I mean, it's still it's still neat to get recognized by, you know, a, a top tier person in the, in the automotive industry. It's still fun to get recognized by those guys. And everybody's here for the same reason. Yeah, and all of cars. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, we're gonna wrap up right. from here at the 59th auto ramp. It's no, the uh, 67th, 67. 67. Uh, 67. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, 49th episode of the podcast. There we oh. go. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Big 49. <laughs> Big uh, 5 out coming up. But we're going to wrap up. Uh, yeah. Thanks again, Scott, for coming by. Absolutely. And thanks for, for uh, letting us uh, put your car in the in the uh, website. Uh, you know, the old, uh, the old doobly-doo there. Um, and uh, we're going to go walk around, drink some beers, and enjoy uh, Autorama. Great. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.